This is Chris Reynolds and welcome to the Entrepreneur House podcast. The Entrepreneur House is a business accelerator for established entrepreneurs creating events and retreats all over the world. If you're ready to take your business to the next level with other successful entrepreneurs, be sure to apply at theentrepreneurhouse.com. And now on to today's episode. On today's episode, we have the high performance coach Clay Green on our show. Clay has coached hundreds of founders and entrepreneurs to grow their business dramatically. His biggest impact is helping individuals and small groups understand their fears and desires and then empower them to become leaders. Today with Clay, we really dig into the state of flow. Clay had a jolting experience in his life which redefined the science and importance of flow state and using it to achieve our most desired goals. Clay talks about this experience and really drills down the understanding of the state of flow. If you're in the productivity and focus, check out this episode. And without further ado, let's welcome Clay Green to the show. How you doing, Clay? I'm amazingly happy. How are you doing today? I'm fantastic. Thank you for asking. And Clay, you're reporting from Utah today. Is that correct? Yes. We, uh, I've been in Salt Lake City almost a week now. For <laughs> some snowboarding, right? Yes, yes. We... Uh, we got in, and I took a couple days, and we went up, and we had possibly the best powder days that uh, Park City has seen all season so far, and we just happened to time it perfect. I loved it. It was awesome. I'm a bit jealous. And for you listeners, Clay is on his American Digital Nomad Tour, meaning he's got a full-on full, full on RV with a traveling partner, and they're going all throughout the U.S. without a defined finish date. And how's it treating you so far? Learning curve. Yeah. Learning <laughs> curve. I'm finding, I'm finding that, uh, you know, starting a business or changing careers or, or learning a new language or learning to cook, jumping into an RV and driving down the road and taking everything you've got with you and, and making it all work learning curve it's, it's been awesome <laughs> it'll make you a, a minimalist won't it oh yeah oh there's no question about that yeah. i know when i travel i have a small school size backpack and a carry-on roll-along suitcase and i still get frustrated because i think i have too much stuff but then when other people see me they think you travel with just that for the entire year and i'm like yeah but i think i need to downsize a little bit <laughs> <laughs> You really get to see the emotional attachments to things when you travel long-term, for sure. Amen. I, yes. Cool. Okay, Clay, let's jump into who you are and how you became the coach and entrepreneur that you are today. Let's see. Uh, the whole long story is I was born in Alabama and got an Alabama high school education. And, yeah, if you've ever seen Forrest Gump, <laughs> yeah yeah okay good <laughs> so you know what i'm talking about. okay yeah yeah <laughs> all right then um from there and it was very i mean don't get me wrong i have friends that have phds and they're really smart you know that went, were my classmates but uh i wasn't really a good student and i ended up having to go into the u.s navy mm -hmm. and i went into the navy and i became a nuclear reactor operator wow yeah and it, 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 like like at the time it was just it was like damn i'm going to the navy and i'm going to sea and i'm doing this job and uh. mm -hmm. but looking back now wow is that a uh, job you chose and you know what chris i'm gonna i'm gonna, I'm gonna throw this out this is gonna sound crazy but and, and the vast majority of people that hear this aren't gonna understand it but i'm the only reactor operator i've ever found that actually was able to talk to someone 
and convince them to give me that job. Interesting. Okay. It's kind of like, uh, basically, it's there's three jobs that you can get if you're going to go into that portion of the Navy, uh-huh. and it's like uh, it's like a gamble. It's like a dice roll. Okay. Uh, as to which one you're going to be. Well, I'm. I actually was able to talk to somebody at one point and say, "Hey, I'd like to be that," and convince them to let me be it and go to school and try to do it. Okay. It's basically. So here's here's the punch with this. So so there's two things that are really important here. One, um, when we talk about nuclear reactors and operating a nuclear reactor on a submarine or an aircraft carrier, you're talking about knowing stuff at a subatomic level. Yeah. Like we're talking deep physics, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So there's that there's that aspect of it. Kind of put that in the in the back pocket and hold on to it for maybe later. We'll talk about some other stuff that <laughs> kind of okay. ties that in. Okay. The other piece is this particular job, this particular field, it is the one, is one of the, well, long story short, it's kind of like the Navy SEALs. Over 50% of the people that go into the schools do not make it through. And it's incredibly tough, tough incredibly challenging. Um, we're talking at least, at least 80 hours a week of just raw input into your head. Wow. Um, for like a year and a half. Wow. Then here's here. I, not only did I make it through, I'm, I'm so proud of this. This is, this is like probably the biggest, most proud thing I've got going on. I was picked as a staff pickup instructor. I was picked as I was hand selected. Less than 1% of the people that come through this school are asked to stay at the school and help other people get through the school. Okay. That was my first taste of adult training. Six years later, fast forward, I get through the Navy. I, I work through the Navy. I, I'm a trainer. I go to the sea. I go on a submarine. I go to test depth. I operate a freaking nuclear reactor on a submarine, which is just mind blowing. Um, and then I get out of the Navy, and for the last 15, 20 years now, I've been an adult trainer primarily for mm-hmm. companies like Intel. Basically, Intel and, and manufacturing is all about continuous improvement. So this brings us into the factory mindset. One of the first things I do when I meet somebody and I, I think I might be working with them or they might be somebody I could work with is I ask, what did your mom and dad do for money when you were between 8 and 14 years old? Good question. You can learn a lot about a person from that. The reason that I ask that question is because what your parents did is so it affects you. The synapses in your brain and the way they're connected was affected mm-hmm. more than you can imagine. And that single question, what your parents did when you were a toddler to a preteen and how they made money affects how those people see the world, how the 10% see the world versus the 90%. When you're working with your clients and asking them this question, what are some of the processes that you use to get them over that hump? So the, the processes and um, the things that are the utmost importance, you know, okay, so what I'm about to share is to answer your question, how do I work with people? Mindset. It's not the first thing. It's one. Mindset is something that is always going to be you're always going to have your your hammer on that nail. You're always going to have your screwdriver in the slot of that screw. That is something that you will always have to work on. It is something that will always be changing. 
So mindset work is how I help people. Question for everybody is, what's it going to take? What's it going to take for you to see it and for you to believe that what I just said about mindset is the differentiator? Right. right? For me, it was the deer story, the deer incident. Okay, tell so, us about this. So the deer incident was about four years ago. Um, I'm on the street on a public road, and when I say 85 miles an hour, that seems really fast. Mm-hmm. Reality is I just slowed down. Okay. I slowed down because, <laughs> yeah, because I was getting ready for a turn, and I knew that through that turn I was going to accelerate, and I didn't want to go over 100 miles an hour on the street. Now, this... When I say the street, this is an isolated highway out in the middle of the woods. There's no driveways. There's no traffic. You know, it's not like I'm doing this in neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. This is out in the mountains, out in the forest in Oregon, actually. I'm getting ready for this right-hand turn. I looked, I'm looking ahead, and literally about three to six inches in front of my face, all I saw was a deer eye. Wow. So this deer, I'm doing 85 miles. This deer is running full speed, completely perpendicular to me, and hits right in front of my right hand. Felt its neck break around my right, my throttle hand. I didn't crash. I didn't even crash. This was like, this two or three seconds, I could, I tell, I've told the story, and it takes an hour sometimes talking about everything that happens in, in that two or three seconds. Let's go back to the physics. I know what's going on between the atoms in the tire and the road. And I can describe how, the, at the atomic level, how, those, the, how the rubber's hitting the road mm-hmm. and how my actions caused me to not crash. And the reality is it doesn't have much to do with the, the, the atoms. It has to do with the way that my brain was working. Okay. I was in a state of flow. Now, I'm sure you've heard of the state of flow before. Uh-huh, I have. Well, I have, I, that's the deepest I've ever been in the state of flow. And I was, it was deep. Um, so long story short, I found, uh, what's the next name of that book? The Rise of Superman. Have you read that one yet? I have not, no. Another book I highly recommend. Very good book. The Rise of Superman by Stephen Kotler. It described to me and taught me, basically, I didn't know how the heck I survived. I, I, I could explain the physics of it. I understood everything that happened. The clarity of everything was insane. My performance during that, I was like, how did I do that? And how did I not do this, that, and the other thing that would have made me crash? Well, Stephen Kotler very clearly explained it in that book. I found that book less than a week later. And it's all about how your brain is physically working when you're in a state of flow. So I help my clients learn how to put themselves into a state of flow and perform like I performed that day with that deer, doing any task. You talk about everything from washing dishes to accounting to copywriting, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So that's one piece of the mindset. But the other piece of the mindset is... In order to be able to do that, in order to be able to put yourself in that state of flow and safely get out of the state of flow, you have to have incredible awareness. You have to be intimate. You have to be more intimately familiar with yourself than you probably are. Um, 
And that is where my three habits come in. Okay, I, I definitely want to talk about flow and then the three habits. But I want to go back to your deer okay. and, <laughs> and where the deer hit your throttle handle, basically, and okay. hit its neck. What did you do when that incident happened to survive and to not crash? So a couple key things. At this point, I had been teaching. I, I learned how to ride a motorcycle as an adult. So there's people out there that learned how to ride a motorcycle when they were kids. Um, and those guys know stuff intuitively. That's kind of like um, uh, someone whose parents were running a business. They know some stuff intuitively right. that people, factory parents, don't know intuitively, right? Right. So um, I'm not that guy. I'm learned as an adult. So at this point, I'd been teaching newbies or new motorcycle riders how to not die, how to ride a motorcycle effectively and not crash, not cause themselves to crash. And it all comes back to the same mindset stuff that we're talking about with business as well. Um, for a decade, though, I'd been doing that for a decade. So at this point, I was intimately familiar with how my motorcycle worked, how my body works on the motorcycle and all that technical stuff. Mm -hmm. So what, I, what happened? I saw the deer eye. I thought, oh shit. <laughs> right before I saw the deer eye, I had picked out my turn in point. I was staring at the white line that disappeared around to the right. I was focused on my next specific goal. I knew how fast I was going. I knew my, this is, this, what I'm about to say here is incredibly important for all aspects of life. Everything from your relationship with your, your partner, to your kids, to your parents, to your business, to, to ride a motorcycle, to snowboarding, I knew where I was relative to my reaction threshold. So we all, we all have a reaction threshold, and that reaction threshold is always changing depending on the subject. But let's go to a motorcycle. It was a sunny day. If it was a rainy day, my reaction threshold would have been lower. Right. So that's kind of the general. So I knew where I was relative to that. So the key most important thing that I did and did not do, if you would, is instead of reacting, I thought. My, my number one premise is think, do not react. So I saw the deer eye, I thought, oh shit, and then I thought, white line, white line, white line, white line, white line. I kept focusing on my goal, and I didn't react. Your handle hit the deer in the neck, is that correct? Actually, it hit just in front of, of my handle. It okay. hit, if you're looking at the right-hand side of a motorcycle, you look at the front tire, mm -hmm. and you think about the 9 o'clock position on that front tire, mm -hmm. it hit right there, right, right at the back of my front tire and right in front of my handle. Did it, it just spun off the side then and you focus, kept your focus on the white line? Let me, let me run through my, here's my thought process. Okay. You ready? Yeah. This is what I thought. Oh shit, deer. Mm -hmm. White line, white line, white line. Holy, and then I felt, I felt the, I felt the neck break mm -hmm. and I felt the warmth of the deer around my right leg. Wow. And then I saw an antler. I saw the deer's antler flash in front of my peripheral or, you know, my vision. Mm -hmm. And I thought, huh, 
if that gets in my front wheel, I, it could screw me up and crash me. Mm-hmm. So I let go of my left hand and I reached up and I grabbed the antler. And then I thought, you know, I don't want to see that. I, I figured at that point I decapitated the deer. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see the neck. I don't want to see the guts. So I held it down low where I wouldn't have to look at it. All the while, I'm also saying to myself, white line, white line, white line. Because I know that staying focused on my goal is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And then I'm around the curve. And mm-hmm. I'm thinking, holy shit, I didn't crash. <laughs> I need to stop. I mm-hmm. want to go see what the heck happened. And I start to throw the deer head away and I realize it's not the deer head. It was part of my motorcycle. My front fairing, she hit so hard. It was a female deer. She hit so hard that she literally broke this cast aluminum piece and broke a part of my motorcycle off and it was my mirror. But here I am. Well, actually, you don't even know everything that was going on yet. I I had the wherewithal at this point, like thinking back, I'm I'm getting ready to toss. I stop my motorcycle. I get off the bike. I freak out a little bit. And then I think about it. I'm like, I caught that. I was doing 85 miles an hour and I just let go of my hand and calmly reached up and stopped this thing. Like, it was just completely calm, you know? Mm-hmm. When that deer hit, it basically instantly turned my front handlebar because of where she hit. She instantly died, and her mass hit. It caused my front tire to instantly turn as far as it could to the right. Now, remember I said that I thought and I did not react. The number one thing that puts motorcycle riders down, new motorcycle riders, is they roll off the throttle. Right. Okay. I didn't. So I, I kept my throttle on, and that means that when that front wheel turned to the right, the motorcycle bucked. Okay. Well, I lifted off the ground. Chris, I flew 12 to 15 feet straight, and I flew about six feet to my left before I landed. Wow. When I hit the ground there, that's where the deer was wrapped around me. That deer hit, right? I'm doing 85 in one direction. The deer hits me parallel or perpendicular. Mm -hmm. And the steering wheel turns and the bike bucks. And I'm flying through the air with this deer wrapped around my leg. And then we hit the ground together. Now, when I hit the ground, my my front tire is still pointing to the right. My point is, when I landed on that motorcycle, my front tire was pointing to the right. Mm-hmm. Autom- like automatically through the physics and design and like I said the atoms and the road the rubber and the road and all that stuff the front tire wants to point straight so it starts to autocorrect and then it because of the distance that it's autocorrecting it overcorrects and it goes all the way to the left side so that all of a sudden the handlebar is going from all the way right to all the way left to all the way right to all the way left right with my, so my right hand is on my throttle, and I'm maintaining my throttle position and still going about 85 miles an hour because I know intuitively if I slow down that I'm probably going to crash mm-hmm. or if I accelerate. So my, my right hand is going back and forth. My left hand lets go and reaches up and grabs my mirror, which is what I thought that antler was. Mm-hmm. So all this stuff is going on in this two or three seconds. And then I'm around the turn. Wow. The, the, the point of that lesson, I, I've broken this down and I've got the three foundational requirements 
that you simply must do in some form. That is meditate, journal, and gratitude. Because those are the three things that affect your mind more than anything else. Those are the three most impactful things that you can do to grow your awareness, to grow your mental capacity, to grow your mental strength, your mental fortitude. And the mental fortitude and the way that, and and learn how to use your brain, like what I'm talking about in the deer incident. Mm -hmm. Learning how to use your brain that way is that is, is why you want to do those three things. That's what gives you the strength and the ability to understand and get in deep and hack your brain, if you will. So I'd like to chat a little bit, Clay, on getting in and out of that flow state that you mentioned and that you work with. You had this incredible experience with the deer and pulled out of it because you were in that state of mind. But you mentioned the importance of coming out of that state of mind. And so I've never heard that before. So if you don't mind just talking a bit about the importance of coming out of flow state, and then maybe we'll we'll dive into some ways to get into flow state and to stay there at the appropriate times. So awesome question. I love that you went there, Chris. That's my number one thing. When you download, when you guys go down to my website, you download the state of flow stuff. Uh, the emails that I send you aren't trying to sell you something. The mm-hmm. emails that I'm going to send you are warning you about what the question that Chris basically just asked. The single most important thing to recognize and understand about the state of flow is it's, it's a process. And there's four stages to this process. And you, ha- you must go through all four stages. Um, and the single most important stage is recovery. That's when your brain and your body recover. And that's also the time when, like, uh, you know, you, you, you had an awesome day on snow, and then you, you, you commute back to the house or whatever, and all of a sudden you're sad because that day is over. And you don't know if you'll ever have another day that good again. And uh, it gets to the point for some people and these extreme athletes and stuff and rock stars where they keep chasing and keep trying to keep that feeling in their body. Mm. That state flow, drug addiction, alcoholism, sex addiction, addiction, the the awareness that you are going to go through that recovery period where you're going to be sad, you're going to be down, you're going to get depressed. That's the purpose of that recovery period. Now, the, the, the real mental ninjas, the real badasses are the ones that when they're when they enter that recovery period and you're just so down being happy about it being thankful and being grateful gratitude have a gratitude practice set up so you have to be aware you're in that flow state which Uh that's meditation and then having a gratitude practice set up so that when you enter that recovery phase you, 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 you minimize the bad feeling and you stay happy you stay ecstatic even though you're depressed it sounds it sounds kind of crazy. It's like, wait a minute, what do you mean you're happy or sad? Mm-hmm. You know, and people have a hard time with this, and but it's a very very personal thing, right? This recovery period and what you focus on and how you do it, the best the best way to do gratitude and the best way to control your mind and all that stuff is with the journaling practices. So, how do you recommend 
journaling because when I journal, I just sometimes I just don't know what to journal about. What do I write today? You know, how's, how's that make you feel, Chris? Confused a little bit. <laughs> so I'll just journal about the first thing that comes to my mind. <laughs> so the confusion part. Let me ask you this. Let's keep going here. Okay. Does that? How do you feel about being confused? Not good. I mean, it's not a great feeling. It's just a kind of lost feeling and not a happy feeling. So here's the challenging question for you, based on the very, very little that we know of each other. What can you do in order to be happy and excited about being confused? What's being confused do for me? Why is being confused? Why is feeling lost good? Then now you have a, that's a question that you just start journaling about. That's a key component of everything. So let me, let me just break down the four stages of flow. The first stage is struggle. The second, so struggle, release, the state of flow, recovery. Okay. So one more time, stage one is struggle. What does struggle mean? That means you're looking at a challenge. Like I was looking at the white line and I was plotting out in grotesque detail how I was going to take that turn. Now, I wasn't necessarily struggling because I was already in a state of flow before the deer hit. Mm-hmm. So it, struggle doesn't mean that you're banging your head into a wall. It can just be a planning process. It can be, you know, anything. So for me in the morning, my quote unquote struggle period I wake up, I have a meditation period, and then I start thinking after my meditation period as I'm getting ready for my day, you know, showering, brushing my teeth, whatever, I'm thinking about the things I need to do today and the, and my goals for the day. Mm-hmm. So that's putting my attention on where I'm going, what I want to work on. And I there's always something, right? There's always a challenge. Oh, this client's a pain in the neck or, oh, this is going to be a tough one. I don't know how I'm going to handle that. I need to write this copy and I want to make it perfect. You know, the struggle there. Then I enter a phase of release. I play some music and I make my breakfast. The way that I release is, okay, I looked at where I wanted to go and I looked at the challenges. Now I want to stop thinking about them and I want to take my mind and I want to focus on something that's important it's dangerous but and it's, it's mundane it's not really challenging to cut up an apple or to pour hot boiling water right mm-hmm. but I have to pay attention to it otherwise I could burn myself or cut myself mm-hmm. so that's releasing does that make sense yeah that's releasing from the struggle the thing I was thinking about was struggle release and then while I'm eating my breakfast I watch a video or two and when I'm done with my breakfast it's, it's on time I am in a state of I've entered a state of flow. And uh, how long are you in that state of flow, Clay, until you step out? It can be anywhere from moments to a day to all day. I mentioned timers earlier. Mm-hmm. I, I set a timer on my phone, or or I have meetings set up where they go for forty-five to fifty minutes, and then I take a break. And then I come back and I'm still in the state of flow. The break includes physical movement. I move my body a little bit. I drink water. But I don't change my focus necessarily. It's a little mini release session, if you would. How long would you take a break for? 
10 to 15. Okay. And then back into it. You get back into it. You're working hard. And then you take that break. And for lunch, is it still also 10 to 15? Or are you taking a longer break for lunch or dinner? Both. Okay. <laughs> sometimes it's 10 to 15. Sometimes it's uh, an hour. Clay, can I ask you how you handle distractions when you're in that state of flow? And that's something I'm really challenged with is, you know, I have the noise-canceling earphones and do my best to find a, a workplace that's pretty quiet where I don't have distractions. But sometimes I'm, I'm working in a co-working space and somebody's coming up and tapping on my shoulder or, you know, I'm getting messages from my girlfriend or friends and they need a response that breaks that mental state. So I'm curious how you handle that without removing yourself from that mental state. Okay, so one, if you've got somebody tapping you on the shoulder, no. you put a tape a sign to your back do not disturb yeah two uh during this podcast interview Mm -hmm. have you had any messages from your friends your girlfriend that requires your attention no because when i do the podcast interview the phone's upside down and off and over away from my reach (laughs) you just answered the question Uh, that's a great answer yeah that's how you do it that's literally literally i mean there's there's a million tools. There's an infinite number of tools out there that turn off Facebook notifications, that shut down your internet. That, mm-hmm. you know, there's the Pomodoro technique for timers. The trick is finding what works for you. Would you be disappointed if I said I was texting while you were talking? No, I, I knew you weren't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I could tell you weren't. Yeah. I love it, man. Yeah. Clay, I think we're going to wrap up there, but I've loved everything you shared. I love talking productivity hacks. If the listeners want to reach out to you, Clay, where's the best place they can find you at? So enthusiasticlay.com, enthusiasticclay.com is the website. And you can find me on Facebook, Clay Green, or Enthusiasticlay on Facebook. <laughs> okay. Clay, man, thanks so much for coming on the show and sharing your wisdom and tips and tricks with us. I really appreciate it. That was great stuff. Hey, you're welcome, Chris. It's been fun, man. I really appreciate it. And listeners, we're going to wrap up there, and we'll see you all on the next episode. Bye, everybody. The Entrepreneur House is a business accelerator for established entrepreneurs. Imagine spending an extended period of time with other successful entrepreneurs working together and growing your business. Day to day, you interact with other driven and smart business people. Spending an extended period of time around them alters your business and your mentality around business. Goals are set, business grows, new partnerships develop, greater profit margins are achieved, the productivity skyrockets for those that are in the Entrepreneur House, and you get to have an incredible adventure while doing it. This year we have three different events, a three-day productivity weekend in different cities all around the world, a two-week all-inclusive retreat for entrepreneurs with six-figure businesses. This will be full of workshops, masterminds, and adventure. Then a four-week event in Chiang Mai, Thailand for established entrepreneurs, also full of workshops, masterminds, advisors, and fun weekend social events. Be sure to check out the details at theentrepreneurhouse.com as soon as possible. These events will fill up fast. For those of you that are interested in have some questions be sure to contact us through the entrepreneurhouse.com forward slash contact we will respond as soon as possible for now saludos from somewhere in the world